And that just seems like the best place for him of all the jobs that are available right now, where even even in with it being the case that the last thing you want to do for your own sake and for the for the sake of Jim Harbaugh's success is giving him too much power right away, you're still going into a place where he can establish... If, if there, There's a lot of things that you can say about Jim Harbaugh, but one thing that would lead an NFL team to hire him. It was a long long time ago. The NFL has changed. There's a lot that's different in the NFL since he took San Francisco to the Super Bowl, but he was also kind of at the forefront then of some of what we're seeing now in the NFL with with the way that he ran that San Francisco team. But one of the things that's so clear and evident about Jim Harbaugh, even when he wasn't winning the games at Michigan that he was hired to do in years past. That all gets erased now with the national championship. But I just get really strong teacher leadership vibes off of him and really just establishing something in a a franchise that's just lost right now. Like It's the same thing with Antonio Pierce in, in Las Vegas. It doesn't always have to be the smartest X's and O's guy who walks into the room thinking he's the smartest person in the room. You need the guy who's going to defer to other people, who's going to make this a whole team effort, get good assistance around him. But there are those teams where you, you want to prioritize some of the intangibles, some of the non-directly football-related attributes more than others, and the Raiders are one of those teams, which is why I think it was a great hire to keep Antonio Pierce, and why I think Jim Harbaugh is going to do just fine as an NFL head coach, and the Chargers would be a place to that to try to gain some respect again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that they need. They need to gain respect again because just when they start getting respect, they kind of go backwards last, same old Chargers, but they're in a spot where... They've got a nice stadium. They've got a decent uh, fan base. It's kind of ripe for the pickings to build. Uh, It'll take the right coach. It'll take the right team. It'll take the right winning and losing combination to bring a lot more fans that are actually Charger fans to that stadium. But it can be done. Uh, They were a big-time hit in San Diego and it's just a matter of once they well, moved, they weren't very good. Well, they were huge in San Diego for many years. and then Not at the end. They, not at the end. They moved, and nobody wanted them. And now they're in L.A. where nobody wanted them, but they're in a town where they normally don't want teams they don't want. So they got to build that team up to where it used to be or as close to a you know, facsimile to what it used to be and see if they can get the fan base in. Because the fan base, if you can get that built, it's a football town where it'll follow you. But they were kind of force-fed the San Diego Chargers in L.A., and okay, now nine. it's and now of Carson, oh, but uh, the, the Ram the well the Rams used to be of Anaheim after they moved uh, mistakenly from the LA Coliseum, and the fans never for, forgave them for that, and then they end up tanking, literally, moved to St. Louis, win a Super Bowl, no one wanted them in LA, and then they come back, and slowly but surely that franchise has become LA's again. But it, it took a championship to kind of make uh, people feel better about them. But there was still a lot of animosity about the Rams. But the Chargers, it's more like, we don't want the Chargers. 
We didn't want the Clippers. How come we get San Diego's dregs? And, you know, the Clippers slowly but surely built themselves into something. They got to the cusp of where they were good and to the next level. And then we've talked about it many cool. times in the past. Cool. Uh, they, they, they've gone backwards. And now the Chargers are trying to do the same thing. But now I, the- think Har- I think Harbaugh might be the right coach for the situation. Bottom line, after the long-winded explanation. Now the Clippers are going to be known for having the mecca of bathrooms. Nobody's going to have nicer bathrooms in their arena than the Los Angeles Clippers at whatever it is they're going to call it after they move out of. Who ever thought that the Clippers would get their own arena? It was talked about for years. I remember With the nicest you can, bathrooms and sports. Well, you can you can play the uh, the old time music back when I covered the Clippers. Uh, a guy by the name of Donald Sterling, and I've said this before, would come and have dinner with us, you know, at certain tables, but they were right next to each other. So even if he wasn't at your table, you were still part of the conversation. And one time after one of these uh, pregame meals in the media lounge, I go up to Mr. Sterling, if you will, oh and I say, how come you're not, this is back when the Anaheim Mighty Ducks moved into their building in Anaheim. Why don't you move the team there from the L.A. Sports Arena, which was, at that time, it was modern back in the day, but when they were playing in it, it was a trash heap. And he looks at me and he says, I don't need that money. I don't need that. I don't need that money. And the whole plan all along was to build a building. And I think his plan was actually to be the main owner of Staples Center. Now, you know, crypto.com arena. But I think the original plan was if he was still part of the league, he wanted to be the main owner. And that didn't happen. The home of the um, in-season tournament championship banner. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, he ended up being the, uh, you know, the half, uh, the half, uh, glasses half full playing in the same building. But I never thought that I'd actually see it come to fruition, that they're actually going to get the arena that they've been talking about since about 1990. The, the, t- the kind of tangent that you can only get here in our beloved, coveted 6 o'clock hour of Team Talk. Getting back to Jim Harbaugh, where the timing might be right on this, and it's a luxury that not every team has, but you are in a spot right now with the clip with. with with the Clippers. Now you got me on that tangent, too. <laughs> I'm just blaming you for everything today. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> but you're in this place as a team now where, where Patrick Mahomes is still running that division and he's going to be still running that division for some time. You're you're fighting for relevance, really, with the other with the Broncos and the Raiders, and you're kind of just fighting for, for second place. But there, there are just some teams in the NFL where there's more patience, there's more time for something like this. And I don't even think it's necessarily taking a chance on a guy like Jim Harbaugh, but you do have a little bit more room to do that and give him time to get back into coaching in the NFL and back to building this team the way that he wants. Because for somebody that that stepped away from the NFL for a little while, I just look at him as a guy that's got everything that you want in a head coach to build a team back up to relevance where that's not the case with every team that's looking for coaches right now, i.e. our favorite team with the with our favorite post-game show in the NFL. 
talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. No news there today as far as Nick Sirianni goes. At this point, it seems like Nick Sirianni is going to be the head coach of the Eagles in 2024. Because, because it wasn't even just that they were losing games, but this is where I think we're, we're starting to see a shift now in the way that teams are approaching how they go after and who they want for head coaches. I mean, the, the NFL has adapted to every generational change and, and element going back to from when I could play the old-timey music of the of the Los Angeles Rams and the Raiders. Hey, that's my music, Sam. Excuse you. That is my music, and you do not tell me when to play it. I play it because okay, the button is over right. here. But You're right. You're any, the button any, master. Anything that's ever gone, any of these changes, any of these developments throughout the years in the NFL, throughout the <laughs> generations of position groups that are more important now than they were at one time, or vice versa, defensive ends now being called edge rushers. I mean, you can go on. The NFL... Has, point. has has adapted over time and and I think what we're seeing now in the NFL is we're done with the age of the retreads. We're we're going to a different place where there are different priorities in what you want as a head coach where Josh McDa- jo- Josh McDaniels is a dying breed in this sport where just I, I have it in my head how this offense is supposed to look. Why can't you guys do that? Why can't you guys do exactly how this offense... I'm the offensive genius. Why can't you guys go make this look like how it's supposed to look? And Nick Sirianni wasn't that heavy-handed. But you did see with Nick Sirianni... Like, to me, he's a cartoon character. He's a caricature. Nick Sirianni's a great guy to have on your team when you're winning, when you're going to the Super Bowl like they did last year, when they were 10-1 and to start the year. Because that man does not need a bullhorn. He will get on top of a mountain and shout to everybody how good the Eagles are. But there was no point in where you even got the sense that they even had a clue about how to fix this. They just sunk to the bottom of the ocean and they never figured out a way to try to to try to slow it down, to try to plug the holes. I, I mean, I appreciate when coaches are blunt because it's as relatable as people within professional sports will ever be to the rest of us. But Nick Sirianni was not shy about going up to the podium and pressers and saying, if I knew how to fix this, I would have done it already. He did say that. He did. I mean, he He actually did did say say that. that. He did say that. Yeah. He actually, I mean, he actually did say that. So there are, so I mean, I, it, it does seem like we're, or, you're, you're, you're seeing some of the teams. It's it's one of those things where it's hard to put your finger on when we're, when we're watching it happen in real time. But it just it seems like we're heading to a place where five years from now, we're going to be looking back on this and talking about a new generation of coaches in the NFL where, I mean, you take Antonio Pierce, and I would put Jim Harbaugh in the same category as well. I mean, we talked to, to Zach a little bit about both those guys because, I mean, Played for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, now <coughs> playing for Antonio Pierce with the Raiders, and you hear these guys. You hear the phrase "players coach" all the time, and there might be some element to that of, of a guy like Nick Sirianni being a players coach. I mean, I'm sure he's a, a fun dude to hang out with, but part of part of being a players coach is also just being able to to relate to these guys. And there was something that just went 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 sour. In that Eagles locker room, that nobody, that at the very least, if if you're starting to lose games, if if things are if things aren't going the way you want it to on the football field, 
ideally what you want to have to fall back on is okay. Let's hit the reset button. There, there's something in here. Like we need to talk. Like we need to figure out what it is that's not resonating with these guys. Why we're not getting the best out of them all the t- as much as we need to. And that's, I mean, that that should be a trait that you would want in head coaches all the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think what's happening is that that divide is growing more and more, where you're seeing the guys that you really think can be good head coaches, and then you surround them with the best coordinators, the best advisors possible, but that is the face of your franchise, and he's a guy that players will give their best for every time. Clearly, that was not happening in Philadelphia. It makes you wonder what did happen, and it leads me to the words of a famous NBA coach. It's internal. Uh, but kinda, I mean, pretty pretty much. It, it seems like it is internal. That's why we don't know. But something went from a team that seemed to have all the momentum in the NFC to a team that struggled to get past the finish line across the playoffs, and then eh, they kind of laid an egg. And it really comes back on the head coach where uh, there are times when it really is anybody's guess if we're not inside the organization on this and have no idea what's actually going on, where it might be a combination. It might be the coach. It might be the GM. It might be the owner. It might be this, that, and everybody else. You're getting... Uh, they're, they're giving you every opportunity to go win these games. At any t- if, As soon as a player becomes available... Who's the team that's been signing every free agent as soon as they hit the market the last two years? That team. 49ers? No, the Eagles. Ah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. There there are other teams that you can point to. Yeah, the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey. We were just talking about the 49ers, uh, you know, rebuilding with guys that they need a couple of days ago. So that's why I said, damn, they were at the top of my list. But, yeah, you're right about the Eagles. As far as quantity goes at the at the very least yes okay there you go yeah as far as yeah. quantity goes yeah quantity goes they were getting a lot it all i don't know sam football is such a weird game where you get that uh you know as they say mono mono game and you go head to head against the competition and you take that one hit and it's like ooh, i don't want to get hit by like that again it almost seemed like the eagles as a team laid back uh, you know, the last few games. And they didn't seem like the aggressive Eagles that they were earlier in the season. It didn't even seem like the same team. And that's what's making me scratch my head. What happened to this team? Something major happened. Well, what happened was that they nobody fix knows it. about. Well, and they couldn't fix it, but what was it? You always talk about the it factor. What was it? What happened to this team to make this team go from one of the top teams in the league to falling apart right in front of our eyes? And and that's that's the question. I I mean, I, I don't get big relatable vibes from Nick Sirianni. Like I don't know the man, so I'm not going to sit here in a microphone at two thousand miles away and call him a phony. But from the very beginning of the introductory presser and how clunky that was, and you know we're gonna we're gonna study hard and we're gonna watch film hard and we're gonna walk through practice hard and we're gonna do all you know I, I mean just the the hard and the coach cliches and that's all fine that that's all fine and good when you're winning games because winning 
clears up everything. But, I mean, I guess what happened is it's a classic example of when everything, when you're winning, you hear people say all the time, winning is the cure-all in, in sports. You can sweep whatever's going on with your team, you just sweep it under the rug and you pretend it's not there and you don't look at it because we're winning and I don't want to even deal with the bad juju. We're just going to sweep it under the rug. You start losing, there's no more room under that under that rug. That rug starts tearing open and all the dirt <laughs> right. starts spilling out over the floor. Right. No, it does. And now you and now now you're just stuck with a dirty floor with no idea how to how to clean it up. No, you're 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 exactly right on that. But still, uh, losing thirty-two to nine to the Buccaneers, where Baker Mayfield goes off, uh, it makes me think. Well, something happened with the defense. Well, it there. had already been spoken into the universe. It, 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 as soon as the Week eighteen game against the Giants ended. It was already being spoken into the universe that they had no chance in that game, and that's exactly no, how it played no, out. I, I, and, and it still surprised me because you and I and R.J. Lees talked about that at length. Joe got into it as well. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, it, it seems like fun talk. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I ended up losing that bet uh, because I thought that they were going to turn on the gas and be what they were at the beginning of the year in the playoffs, and they were horrific. I mean, I look at the Chiefs. You can say Andy Reid. You could talk about him as a coach all you want. The bottom line is the last game that they played, their quarterback and their tight end had games like they normally do in big-time situations. They stepped up, and nobody seemed to step up for the Eagles. That's why the Chiefs are where they are at, and that's why the Eagles are making people scratch their heads. And this isn't to to pick on the Eagles, because I mean, look, we got no room to talk around here as far as falling flat on your face. At the I end, have no expertise at, at the end of a season. Well, that too, and also just you know talking about falling flat on your face at the end of the season. No, I know, I know. But there, the, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, the team that started ten and one. That team was in there somewhere. They lost their way, and the head coach wasn't able to get it back. And I think teams are going to start looking more at: Do we ha- is our guy the guy that that can do that? That can get that 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 can get that best version out of the team. There, it's in there somewhere. Right in the scenario where we start losing games, do we have the guy that's going to be able to find that? And I think Antonio Pierce is that guy, and I think Jim Harbaugh is that guy.